previously on Buffy the... That movie you like, the sequel. I mean, you've, you've killed Billy in the first yeah. few minutes. <laughs> A huge blob of spit hits Gizmo. Oh no. Essentially, the gremlins are picking off all these survivors one by one. She's cut off by the noise of a rocket launching as they leave Earth, headed to the space station. <laughs> the end of humanity <laughs> is inevitable. In a post-pandemic world, cinema needs a kickstart. What's better than new, original films created by a diverse range of voices? Sequels, reboots, spin-offs, remakes, and more of the things you already love. Obvious, obvious things. Brendan and Nick present that movie you like. The sequel. Ho ho ho! Welcome to Miracle on that movie you like. It's time for the great new podcast where we look at classic films and pitch you the sequels you can't live without. I'm St. Nick. And I'm St. Brendan. And this week we're doing Gremlins again. Yeah, some more Gremlins. <laughs> and it's still Christmas. I don't know if St. Brendan is particularly associated with Christmas, but when you went with St. Nick, I, it kind of popped into my head last episode and then when I was ready to jump in this episode. So there is a saint called Brendan, uh, called St. Brendan. I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. So he's a real saint. I know nothing about him. but what Not I, affiliated with you either. <laughs> no. But what I do know about St. Brendan is this kind of fun story that happened once. We were on holidays on Bruni Island. So it's a holiday destination in Tasmania. Tasmania is already an island. And then Bruni Island is another island. It's uh, like a, off, a baby island. Yeah, a baby island. And you take a ferry to get out there. So one day we were on holidays and we passed this church and we noticed that it was called St. Brendan's Church, which I thought was pretty fun because being named Brendan, we decided to go and take some photos uh, of me next to the St. Brendan's sign. And as we were taking photos next to the St. Brendan sign, some elderly people that were in the church came out and they were like, oh, what are you guys doing? And we just was talking about stopping to have a look at the church and they invited us in to come and have a look at St. Brendan's church. So we went inside and they were kind of like, what drew you to the church? I said, oh, well, it's actually, it's a bit silly, but my name's Brendan. And I just thought it was kind of fun that this is called St. Brendan's. And one of the ladies goes, on today of all days. <laughs> and, and we just kind of looked at each other a little confused we were so my name's brendan i was at st brendan's church on st brendan's day is <laughs> <laughs> the day that i happened to turn up and it turns out that they were having a little bit of a parade uh afterwards and they actually invited us to join <laughs> uh, but we had to go because we had to catch our ferry back unfortunately <laughs> so we didn't get to join the parade but ever since then st brendan has had this kind of real thing in in my heart so when i heard st nick i was like oh i think i need to share this story of st brendan that is that is <laughs> hilarious like the once and future st brendan <laughs> yeah like who knew that there was a st brendan's day obviously it's important to the people that have st brendan's church i guess but just I'm gonna have to look up what he's a saint of. yeah we should probably i should probably have done some i i really just this popped into my head as we're talking but just seeing this lady and just seeing the joy in her face as she said on today of all days i, I was so confusing like i was like is this like a wicker man thing are they gonna <laughs> sacrifice it like i don't know but man it was well you're on pretty <laughs> island anything could happen exactly uh, but man it was just really really fun so nothing to do with gremlins but just something i thought you guys 
might be interested in. Random coincidences of Brendan being in places on Brendan, St. Brendan's Day. <laughs> Back <Yeah>. to gremlins. <laughs> Let's do gremlins. <laughs> oh, I swear there are like gremlins in the actual production of this this story. I, I think I mentioned it last week. I had more writer's block trying to write this than I think I have any other project that we've done yeah and gremlins is something relatively recent yes to my head canon so yes. it's like trying to pull all those all those threads was was a bit tricky so well i watched it with you for the first time it was literally like a couple of weeks yeah. ago so. and <laughs> and so this is the the adhd version of a, a story that i literally penned this afternoon because i have been procrastinating like crazy <laughs> anyway let's let's set the scene before we do that should we Sell out. Oh, yes, of course. We're doing this for selling out, of course. We want money. <laughs> Let's sell out. Let's sell out. Sequel creation initiation. Looks like they've ordered a sequel. Three. Almost three, ready to sell out. Two. To perpetuate the cycle of money, greed, fascism, and triviality. One. Show me the money. Sequel incoming. I didn't, I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. We open with Billy. He's quite the established architect in Clamp Industries at this point. However, his job as architect and graphic designer quickly evaporates when Daniel Clamp announces his intention to run for public office. He descends his escalator and tells everyone that he's running for president. So it turns out his business has been hemorrhaging money and now a run for public office is really the only thing that can keep him in the spotlight. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's famous on his various television shows and his famous catchphrase of you are no longer employed here. <laughs> just just things along those lines. So, yeah, it's... Uh, no, we're not doing allegory one-to-one, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty close. So Billy and Katie's kids, they've all grown up and they're getting jobs and partners and Kate is proud, but she's still in the throes of empty nest syndrome, even though it's probably been about five or ten years since the eldest yeah. moved out because it just occurred to me that it has been 30 years since yeah. the previous one so yeah i was like originally sorry to interrupt in mind Haley was originally going to be his daughter and i was like she doesn't make sense hang on so <laughs> they were together in the early 80s oh, yeah. well she'd be 30 something i suppose so that was... yeah they were in their 20s at least in 1990 so yeah Oh, it could work, I suppose, if they were a bit late to having kids. I, don't know. I, I, I went with Greg. <laughs> yeah, grand, grand, like their grandparents at this point. Like their kids have moved out. So Katie still has Gizmo to look after, but he's pretty independent. That said, Kate has been leading the charge in making sure Giz is never anywhere near water. And she has actually done exceptionally well for the last 30 years to the point where near misses don't really phase her anymore. But she's been on point. Like he has yeah. never gotten wet since 1990. Yeah, cool. Well, which is impressive <laughs> when you think about how crazy that rule is <laughs> yes yeah. so as billy's work wraps up she figures that she can use this opportunity to re-enter the workforce herself and billy can spend t- some time doing home maintenance catching up and and with his dad in his twilight years and he can maybe look after gizmo for a bit because change of pace is is important billy lasts a day before gizmo gets splashed in the face <laughs> With some water and four new Mogwai, what would you call it? Replicate? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they so, yeah, pop yeah. them. They do that. Yeah. I don't know how you spell, but anyway. That's all right. It's an audio format. We don't yeah, need to. Exactly. I don't, I'd like to see how the, the transcript does that. Anyway. 
So Billy informs an absolute mortified case <laughs> of the new arrivals, but he promises that he and Gizmo are going to be a lot more responsible with this batch than the last. So Katie asks if there are any with a mohawk and to identify it and keep a close eye on it. And of course, there is one <laughs> with a mohawk. I like that he's just screwed up on day one because like the first one, obviously they screwed up pretty much right away. The second one, he screws it up as soon as he finds Gizmo again. Like for all intents and purposes, he leaves him. <laughs> yes. So I like it. I really like that. Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah. So I, I figured that that was, that was kind of the dynamic. Like she's obviously a bit more on point with this yes. stuff. And He's yeah. a very talented architect. He's a very talented <laughs> architect, just a very poor Mogwai keeper. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, in the middle of all this, an online conspiracy theory has been gaining traction in the web and all that, and it shows the head of the, the American Secret Service in a photo with a small green monster poorly disguised in a wig and a dress. <laughs> so Billy recognises the Secret Service chief in the photo as Frank Forster, the former head of security from the incident at Clamp Tower. This explains some stuff and how the American political system has been operating the last 10 years or so. So this is the guy from... So just let me throw my mind back. This is the guy from Gremlins 2 who's... He works under Clamp and he's kind of a bit mean, fires people, and yes. at the end, most importantly, ends up marrying the girl, Gremlin? Correct. Yes. yes. Cool. He, he's, he plays the Doctor in in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, okay. I, I I'm terrible with names, and I'm sorry, mate. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, no. you're you've got a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just trying to like throw my mind back to who that actual character was. But yes. yeah, I think visually I can see him. Yeah. Robert Picardo. He was in Star Trek: Voyager, not The Next Generation. My apologies. And I'm going to. Except that that's correct because I don't know the difference between either of those statues. And the fact that we've just all, we've completely edited out the awkward pause where I scroll through IMDb <laughs> to find him will be glossed over. No, we knew it because he's such a well-known and well-loved actor. Yes, of course. <laughs> Please come back to, to Gremlins 3. Because <laughs> this whole film kind of hinges on you, mate. Oh, nice. <laughs> So there's this kind of underground movement going on, thinking, oh, conspiracy, there's demons yeah. in the in the House of Representatives and Greminon. Greminon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good name for it, actually. Let's go with that. So Billy reaches out to Clamp to tell him about Forster and the apparent Gremlin presence in the Capitol, because obviously Clamp is running for office and, yeah. and is like, Oh, okay, that's that's an important step and it rallies him on that oh he has to he has to be elected. He's the only one that can fix this. Yeah. So yeah. Very much in character. Yeah, very yeah. much in character. Clamp, as it turns out, has just had an opening for a campaign spokesperson and suggests that Billy could do it. Billy, however, figures that Kate would be far better qualified <laughs> to do the job as she has better people skills out of the two of them. So yeah. that's that's definitely something more up her alley. Well, she worked in the bar and then in the second one as the kind of hostess, like what, to a guide, I guess. To a guide, yeah. yeah. So she's got the people skills. She's certainly a lot more personable than Billy is. Billy would be like a deer in the headlights, I yes. think. So, yeah, he and he's busy with Gizmo and the offspring now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, it happens pretty quickly. Katie is recruited into Clamp's election campaign as an advisor. And when she gets there, she realised that this is an absolute nightmare. For a start, 
straight up her first job is to to put out the fire where all his ex-wives are going on the television circuit and doing interviews and basically tearing him to shreds. <laughs> so she's she's got some problems yeah. to deal with. She's going to be a bit busy. Because obviously these things take a long time, this particular story happens over quite a large span yes. of, of, of time. So an, an American election campaign, if you haven't had the fortune of watching one, which is lucky you, <laughs> is it goes on for a very long time. So yeah. this could be like early, what are we talking, probably December in the year before yeah. it would be actually elected in the November. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty big roadshow. So these ne- next few months are shown as more or less in montage. So it's Christmas. Kate lights a candle for her father, but enjoys the time she gets to spend with her returning children and their partners and her parents-in-law and anyone else. Who's... So she celebrates Christmas now. She celebrates Christmas now. Like it's, it's slightly less scarring. <laughs> Obviously, the, the, the extra mogwai in the, in the mix have everyone who knows anything about what has gone on kind of on edge. Yeah. And it's like, what happened? Did dad have to look after Gizmo for a day? And it's like, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, yeah, okay. Billy wears it. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out their daughter is pregnant and they have to adjust to the idea of being grandparents, but that's fairly like, oh, okay. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, let's let's move on with that. So they've got to adjust to the idea of becoming grandparents. Yep. <laughs> so that, that's their stage of life. I, I think that'd be interesting to see them adjust to. Yes, definitely. Yep. While this is happening, Clamp is talking a whole lot of rubbish in the primary debates just to basically be popular. And he's, he's kind of throwing accusations that don't make sense. And people are... He's... He's definitely not the most qualified on stage, and it's obvious, but he is very fun to watch. And yeah. that is actually what is making people seem to rally around him. Like, there's kind of enjoying the the train wreck in progress, so yeah. to speak. So, so the person that he's up against... Yes. We haven't... That's not the guy from the other one. He's the Secret Service for the other... Yes, yeah. he is he's the Secret Service and... the. Yeah, so this is this is something where I started to realise, oh no, the story has taken a turn to what I had originally intended. I did originally have Robert Picardo as the sitting current president. Okay, yeah. It, but it occurred to me, this man was head of security in the first one. It makes more sense that yeah, he is but- in the Secret Service than in, in the presidency. It, it was... It was one of those things where he's he's close to the levers of power in yes. a way, and the gremlins are obviously got an in yes. as far as that is concerned. So that so yeah, this this is something that's not actually illustrated very well in how I've written this opening thing. Essentially, the American like political system is is going to poo, yeah. <laughs> and the gremlins are blaming everything on these like little lizard monsters, and everyone's like, oh yeah, right, it's just ineffective government and it's too big and yes. everyone's kind of getting a bit sick of yeah. everything about about politics. Um, I, I was mostly just trying to imagine his opponent. So like yes. just what they look like and yeah. Oh okay. So so the so he is actually running up against an incumbent. He is very, very old. Um, <laughs> so I look let's let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Obviously I am referencing Donald Trump in Clamp's run for president. I want to be very careful about how I do that because it's up to history to decide, but in my view, Trump has been fascist in his approach. He just runs with what's popular. He has people in his thrall and there just seems to be this, I don't know, people side with him 
because he's politically convenient, but it works both ways. So I believe he's quite a dangerous man, whether he's just a bumbling narcissist or some kind of next level mastermind is really hard to pick. Like there's layers to it. But I got to the point where it's like Clamp was written quite sympathetically to a point in in the second movie. He's not a one-to-one of Donald Trump. Yes. What I want to do with this story is kind of make fun of American politics as it is because on one hand you have a side that has to take everything seriously. Yeah. And on the other side you've got a side where Trump has no honour so he can't be held to an honour system. It's, It's this really weird kind of cat and mouse thing where the cat is attacking a mouse that's just not interested in playing the game. So yeah. it's it's a it's a very strange thing we we find ourselves in in that. So what I thought would be more fun would be to break apart the way their political system operates with this two-party system and not necessarily come down too heavily politically on one side than the other. Yes. I I think one I don't I I don't think Republicans are fascists. I want to make that very very clear. I think though there is a hijacking of that party happening within that kind of leadership though like it's it's pretty toxic yeah that 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 got deep really quick on this really fun I, little I, I podcast i can see but... the comments when yeah. the trailer comes out yeah look keep, i keep politics out of my gremlins yeah look <laughs> sorry we 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 have to go here it's because... an incredibly you you tell her mm. go woke, go broke yeah <laughs> well and that and that's the thing like let's this is the thing i'm not writing this in a in a woke sense i'm not going to be ripping trump or his policies or his politics or his methods to shreds this is a an examination of the footprint that he's left on politics more or less and i want to show just how ridiculous it all is yeah yeah. and from every angle not just like to put him in the wicker man and set it on fire right like he's not the he's not he's not the target of this he's kind of the subject but he's not really what i'm poking fun at yeah and we're still gonna have fun i think that's yeah yeah so i mean crikey me that's really hard to articulate (laughs) yeah no i think and and what if (laughs) it's we're having fun we're writing movies and sometimes movies have politics in them and and you don't have to agree with it and that's totally cool well look i mean we're not asking you to honestly like any like again we could we could talk about this all day and i don't want to Anything that has a moral to it, I suppose, is a political statement in a sense because politics is just about people getting along with the society we're in, right? So that's what it is. And it's trying to speak a a truth to the human condition. So that's what stories do. It gives us a safe space to explore ideas that we don't necessarily have to agree with every time, but we can see the nugget of truth to hopefully heal from big partisan shit fights <laughs> yeah, i feel like i derailed your plot a little bit with my question but maybe yes. i think this is a really important thing to say like sometimes yeah uh, regardless of how you feel about the political side of this story or any story really yeah people are telling stories and stories don't always have to be about us and they don't always have to reflect us yeah i, I wrote a story where i murdered a bunch of famous comedians <laughs> i i'm I'm not saying that we should go and murder famous comedians. No. Those two things don't go together. And no. we're just exploring ideas. We're having fun. And I mean, um, the other the other thing is obviously you can very much take to task that I am an Australian. I'm not directly affected by US <laughs> policy or anything. It does seem to have a footprint on the rest of the world, how things go sometimes. Yes. But as an observer looking from outside, you can see how the Americans are, are stuck in this 
malaise of ineffective politics and, frankly, scary politics. Yeah. So it never seems like you're actually getting something good. It just seems like you're getting something better than what the other team has to offer. And arguably that's what we have here in Australia too. So it's yes. in a lot of ways it's not, it's not dissimilar. Yeah. I think hopefully this is going to be a podcast where at times, as much as we write sequels that are selling out and want to make money we are looking to explore ideas and we're looking to do different things hopefully as mature adults we can be respectful to one another we can recognize that this isn't we don't we're not an anti-american podcast or anything anything like that i mean obviously we've like i don't think there's been one piece of media that we've done that isn't american so like that's a bit of a problem actually exactly (laughs) and 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 we probably need to look at some closer to home films at times as well but i think we what we want to build is a community of people that have ideas and and feel comfortable Mm. enough to speak about them while having fun talking about Gremlins movies. Yeah. So so please don't let this put you off too much. Maybe we're being a bit woke. Maybe we're going to go broke. But but, but, but we're but, still being capitalist here, yeah. honestly. Like we, we're selling out. We want to make money. We, we don't want to alienate half of the Americans no, out there. No, like, we yeah. definitely don't. And, we're not, and we don't want to make judgments about people that yeah. we frankly don't know. So we want everyone to come and enjoy it. But... When we inevitably approach these topics again in the future, no, we are going to. And Mm. we're going to do it in a fun way. We're going to hopefully do it in a way that doesn't offend people. But at the same time, hey, sometimes you need a little bit of Trump in your gremlins. (laughs) And like I say, I am not making Clamp a one-to-one version of Trump. I I think... I think we got it. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, that, that's that's something I really want to be clear with. Yeah. Just as like his the incumbent here isn't going to be a one to one of Joe Biden, even yeah. though this is a caricature of Joe Biden, yeah, basically. Cool. So yeah. it's yeah. going to be a bit. We're making fun thing. of both sides, guys. That's yeah, what we yeah. do. Fair and balanced. <laughs> yeah. No bias here. Um, let's jump back to the story. Sorry, I please let's this jump back to the story. <laughs> I really hate this, <laughs> this <Yeah>. pothole. <laughs> Woo. Anyway. That's fun. So anyway, yes, Gizmo and Billy being very good parents to the new Mogwai. So they play with them, they read them bedtime stories, they sing them to sleep. There's a small moment where you where we see Billy putting a band-aid on. I'm going to call him Mohawk 3 because yeah. I forgot that Stripe was his name in the first one. Yeah, and then Stripe, I just, yeah Mohawk. Yeah. Well, is there another... Maybe he can have Liberty Spikes. <laughs> maybe, he's a bit more, maybe he's a bit more punk, like yeah. he's got the spikes in the Mohawk rather yeah. than clear... Thing down the middle, but I'm I'm just going to call him Mohawk Three for yeah. for the sake of expediency because I did not bother to name any of my criminals. <laughs> it's interesting you talk about them taking care of them. I'm sorry, I'm going to derail the conversation again. Please do but change the subject. <laughs> I like the fact that, and maybe I don't know where this is going to go, but that we we've seen that Gizmo is different to the other Mogwai, and maybe this is exploring a little bit of that nature versus nurture. It, are the other Mogwai just have not had the same kind of love and affection that Gizmo had from his owners previously and and things. I think that's a really cool avenue to go down. Yeah, well, this was something I thought about because, I mean, in a way, like, I would think that Mogwai, when they pop out, they're they're more or less blank slates, right? Like, they they are born and they are there, conscious within a day. Like, I think if you start assigning indelible traits to things that just pop up with a mohawk for example yes you're you're going down a bit of a dark path of exactly yeah judging a book by its cover which you should not do same as this podcast we're pointing fun at the the maga crowd but also giving you something to the QAnon people go aha we were right (laughs) there we go they were lizard people they were lizard people (laughs) (laughs) so anyway 
So yeah, they're being they're being good parents. So there's a moment where Billy is putting a band-aid on Mohawk 3 after he's fallen off his little bicycle that they've built for him. So just just tender little moments and stuff like that. So Mohawk still has a rebellious streak. Like he's obviously still a little bit of high maintenance. He's to, the Bart Simpson he, of the crew. He's the Bart Simpsons of the crew. But he's he's also showing a, a bit of tenderness too. Like he's quite artistic. He draws pictures of his family and, and he's putting them on the fridge. And oh, it's just cute. Cute, yeah. Stuff like that. So, and anyway, one day Katie's doing her Tai Chi. So like very slow movements to a YouTube video and you see all the Mogwai joining in and Billy as well. And there's all just this little collection of people doing their slightly old people exercises. Mohawk is doing the moves a little too quickly, so he's actually kind of doing a karate <laughs> kata almost, so you can see the the, the uh, little bit of character there. I'm sure the other ones have personalities, to, but that can be the, the second draft's problem, not mine. <laughs> so yeah, gremlins keep showing up on these internet conspiracy boards. They're fast becoming the internet scapegoat for all the weird things that seem to be going on with, with politics and the capital. Like things like there was a brief instance where where apparently a ballistic nuclear missile was was fired at one of the hurricanes off the coast. Um, heck knows why, but the government is denying this as a, as a thing that ever happened. Like yeah, the, no. So Mohawk Three, on the other hand, is he's he's quite rascally still, and he's often setting up little traps for for Kate and Billy in their house. And most of them are non-lethal, but the- <laughs> most of them, <laughs> yeah. But 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 they're both taking this in their stride, and they've they've survived worse. So this are oh, the the little scamps. So <laughs> they they briefly looked after Daffy and Gremlins too. So. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's there's precedent. They they can handle this. Yeah. And and Mohawk needs his outlet. You yes. Know, so he's he's. Yeah. I love how wholesome. This yeah, is. yeah. I'm really enjoying it. No, cool. Um, Clamp's campaign is coming into the final week. Kate's beyond caring about the outcome at this point. It's, it's, there's no other way to say it. It's been a shit show. Between Russian spies trying to infiltrate the campaign, secret audio recordings of Clamp in private saying things that are not flattering are surfacing, and it looks like they're going to get obliterated on election day just because everything's a shit show. But then the elderly incumbent president chokes on a burrito at a campaign rally and <laughs> dies. And, oh my gosh, and the so v- fun. And so the VP is suddenly president and running campaign the last week to go for president. And they are generally loathed by everyone. Like, no one no one likes this VP. And so Clamp realises he actually has a shot. And it's like, they don't need to love me. They just have to hate him. <laughs> and, and this breathes new life into his campaign. And yeah. So yeah, Clamp wins the presidency to the collective meh of the country not really voting in very high numbers so yeah he wins in this electoral college thing he didn't really win the popular vote but that's how things go i suppose billy and kate are among his guests celebrating and the secret service are deployed to his penthouse to boost the security and billy is looking out for foster but can't identify him amongst the suited agents i'll bring up that i did have to look up this character's name he is he's credited on imdb as just forster yep. so that that's his name. I think his name might be Frank Forster because I googled like what was the what was Forster's full name in Gremlins Two. Yeah, and it comes up with Frank Forster. That's as far as my research <laughs> went. I hope it's right. Yeah. So someone out there is. I'm sure it's right. Yeah. You know. So anyway, that's that's that's. I'm sure you gave more thought to that than anyone has since Gremlins Two came out. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> There's some really like you look at the how many people in Google have asked this, and there'll just be this little spike for, oh, yeah. for this podcast. Yeah. So so yeah. Yeah, so a few months later, Clamp is inaugurated and at the after party, Billy finally is able to 
bump into Frank Forster and, and have a brief exchange with him. And after the 30-odd years since the tower incident, and ha-ha, wasn't that fun? Ooh. <laughs> so Forster's cool facade is quite shaken when he recognises Billy, and the interaction is, is quite grief, and, and he dismisses the gremlin photo that Billy points to as a weird internet troll stuff. It's a weird coincidence, but ugh. Anyway, he slips away after putting his second command in charge and he's basically suspicious AF. Yeah. Like he's he's not <laughs> he's not being able to hide this very well. But Billy anyway, he sends Gizmo to give chase and Gizmo's got a small smartphone strapped to his back, so he's able to get evidence and, and things and figure it out. I like that Gizmo's got something to do. Like he's got a little adventure. That, that was actually one of the things I wanted to hit. I wanted I wanted the characters each to have something to do. And and this is, again, talking about like our, our Spider-Man story. Yes, yeah. We figured Mary Jane was a bit of a weak point where she didn't really have anything to do. She got to throw a, a concrete block in the third one and yeah. I think that was it. But yeah, our fix was to give her more to do. Yeah. I wanted Katie to have more to do rather than just have a tragic <laughs> backstory. <laughs> I wanted Billy to have something to do rather than just be kind of the point of view and, and running around and chasing the thing. And yeah, I wanted Clamp as well to have something to do. He's driving the plot and then Forster is obviously our point of entry because there is still a gremlin attached to him in yeah. some, some way. Uh, no, I like that you've given his money to do because really in mine... He spends most of the movie scowling at a box. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you gave him a bit more to do. I yeah. think that's a, that would be a real criticism of mine. So I think that's a plus for yeah. you. Oh, well, again, this is more how I think. And this is, yeah. but don't, don't worry, dear listeners. This is where my creative juices really started to run out because this was about <laughs> half an hour ago. I was writing the rest of this from this point. So anyway, Forster gets home and he's absolutely freaking out. His wife peels off her human suit to, awesome. re- to reveal the, the gremlin underneath. I don't yeah. know what the human suit suit looks like let's yeah. say uh, jane lynch could be fun actually in yeah, that in yeah. that role i think that would we'll be bring quite, her back her yeah bring her back for this and so she's obviously i guess evolved slightly since since we saw her in the 90s so a bit taller and a bit more lanky and just kind of like the grand high witch i think out yeah. of out of the witches in the roald dale story well i think that works because we don't know what happens to gremlins like is gremlins the final form yeah like because we they're always killed like so yeah exactly i i wanted to see and this is something I actually spoke to you in the break was I think sequels need to expand on the law slightly. Yeah. Like there have to be more things that come in. Like they do this in the, the, the last Jedi, which is an element I quite liked where they build this bridge between Ray and Kylo Ren, where they can see each other through yeah. the force and just having that extra layer added to the the kind of suite of powers that Jedi can have, I think was a, a good touch to do. They they kind of have it in the Empire Strikes Back where where Luke can telepathy talk to Leia, but they don't really dwell on that very much at all after that. Yeah, I digress. So yeah, I wanted to build on the lore. I I need to add some extra elements to to make it come through. Yeah, no, I like that. It's really cool. Yeah. So anyway. So she tells him to calm down because if he stresses out too much, it will affect his condition. And sure enough, Forster has some gremlin in him. Oh, no. So his ears turn green and they spike out either side of his head <laughs> and he's trying to pack them back down and that thing. But he's infected with some kind of illness. So they've, they've gotten under his, under his skin somehow. From the creator of radioactive spider semen comes radioactive gremlin lady juices. <laughs> I didn't actually think of the full ramifications of this, and I apologize. <laughs> it's just gross enough that I think it works perfectly. I just, there was this moment where he kind of like has this eh moment where she's walking towards him like 
dressed as a bride in the in the final yeah. sequence of of Gremlins two, and it just made me think, okay, maybe there's some kind of pheromone she's emitting that's affecting him on some level. It's obviously done as a joke. I yeah. I get that it's a joke in the film, but. I kind of need something there to actually yeah. be carrying this through because he's on the side of the gremlins for some reason. Yeah, so. no, I like it. I think yeah. it's very fun. I think it's a bit creepy and pretty weird, but it's yeah, it's that's gremlins. Like it's, yeah, it's creepy good. and weird. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, yeah. It was anyway. So <laughs> we're just seeing where Nick's mind goes. Like <laughs> each time, it's like <laughs> it's. It's born out of necessity, yeah. I swear. But I can kind of empathise with the people who thought that maybe Marty being hit on by his, <laughs> his own mother wasn't such a bad thing in, in the first Back to the Future until after the fact they write it down and go, eh, oh no. Anyway. <laughs> I, I think it's very... I, I think it's a fine idea. I, in fact, I, I very much love it. Yes. Anyway, so he's infected with some gremlin illness and Mrs. Forster calms him down, telling him that he can't reach his final form yet. He needs to stay human for a bit longer. And once the virus takes hold of the country's leaders, they can finally truly be together. Oh. So, <laughs> anyway. virus. Yeah. Sick. So there's a, there's a virus in this too. I wonder <laughs> where that came from as an idea. They always said, I wonder why it's transmitted. <laughs> 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 anyway, no, stop wondering. <laughs> anyway, Gizmo has seen enough and he makes a run for it and this alerts Forster and his wife, but suddenly there's a bright flash of lightning and it starts pouring with rain. So Gizmo recoils from the flash and hides under the furniture. He's stuck in this house, so it's pouring with rain. He's He can't go anywhere. But then he remembers he can just send Billy a, the video file via like, the phone messenger. So he, he just like does that. Or he's about to, but but Forster grabs Gizmo before he can hit send. And anyway, looking around, he's like wondering what to do with him. And then he notices that it's like five past midnight. Oh, oh. so he grabs a sandwich and just shoves oh. it down Gizmo's gullet. And Gizmo resists as best he can, but eventually he's... And then he's sort of like, much to his wide-eyed horror, he's, he's like... And he falls asleep. Oh, I no. think you arguably just did something worse than anything in my movie. <laughs> yes. That was another thing. Like, you, you spoke about this at the end of, of yours, that you yeah. wanted to see a gremlin gizmo, and I just was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You know, I got you, fam. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oof, yeah. That, that was one of those moments where I went, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's anyway. rough, but it's good. Like, yeah. It's... Yeah. So because I, I obviously Gizmo is is different in the way that he you never see him as a as a gremlin and yeah. this would at least be something new to see Definitely. in in the yeah. in the canon. So <laughs> oof. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. So at this point, this is DC apartment is raided by a small army of Secret Service agents because obviously he's figured out that he's sent Gizmo yeah. after him. How and small are they? Oh no, they're 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 regular okay. they're regular size agents <laughs> the, the, at this point anyway. But this is where Mohawk 3's traps really come in handy. <laughs> so in the in the resulting confusion, the Peltzers and their Mogwai brood are able to escape and they're oh, yeah, a little kitten. bit of home alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah go, so yeah, I've written in like a paragraph a whole home alone sequence, so yeah. you're just gonna have to p- colour that in your imagination. That's, awesome. but, That's uh, so cool. But yeah, so there's like Mogwai versus home invaders. You guys give up? Oh yeah, thirsty for more. It is so. It's it's a little bit more Home Alone, like but as teddy bears. Yeah. So you kind of get your Ewoks in, yeah, in uh, a way there. No, so I very much enjoy where this is going. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. So anyway, the Peltzers get out and they figure. Oh no, we 
we have to get gizmo. So so Billy uses the find my phone function to find where <laughs> where Forza lives. Did I call him Forza? For- Forza, sorry. Yeah, Forza Horizon. Yeah, Forza Horizon. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting name. It should. I'm, I'm surprised he's not just Foster. It's almost like yeah. there was a typo when they were writing. Anyway, so Billy uses the phone to find where Foster lives, but of course it's surrounded by the Secret Service and they can't go in. And just then... Gizmo, the gremlin, bursts from the house, his cute face twisted and cackling maniacally. Gizmo. So, oh no, you can see it's him and he's like, yeah. The Secret Service are momentarily stunned, but they turn and start to fire on him. So he dives into the muddy turf and soon the yard is just covered in mud flavored gremlins oh, cool. like it's just i can imagine know, like popping pop, out yeah yeah and they're they're just everywhere and they are multiplying like what you had in your yeah your story where it's just bedlam yeah so it's it's more of a carpet of gremlins just overwhelm these agents now and it's just ah, because like the mass just grows every 30 seconds or so it just gets to the next level of of the spread because it's just dirt and mud and water everywhere so yeah we have our apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> you got there. Yeah, I got there. So Gizmo <laughs> cackles running down the street. Billy calls after him. Gizmo turns, recognises him, but just... <laughs> and runs off into the night. And the Gremlin kids are visibly distraught. Like, the, oh no, Gizmo. Like, so, you know, no. they're all tearing up. Yeah. Which doesn't make them multiply because they're not made of water. I yeah. It's like, I don't know, let's say like Gremlins. Yeah, gre- <laughs> Gremlin tears are made of like, I don't know beer <laughs> anyway so yeah Forster looks out his house as the gizmo horde swarm down the street and it's like well that wasn't in the plan but I guess we can roll with this yeah. so on to the next phase President Clamp is in a meeting that is obviously run way over time and is kind of gently having the workings of government explained to him it's quite apparent he is no idea what being president entails or what is expected of him. And he's sort of like, oh, yeah, okay. So he's trying to sound smart in this context, but obviously the staff are like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to trying to explain how to, how to president. His chief of staff gets a call from Kate and she tells him that they need to deploy the National Guard because he, he can now and that's kind of a big problem heading down, down DC. So a horde of monsters is attacking the capital. The chief asks if this is serious and they peek over and they they're just in an office off off of the house and they look in the house chamber and there's basically like all this werewolf kind of transformation of all the house of representatives in there turning into like half gremlin monsters <laughs> and so they've released a virus in, into the house basically so okay so the secret serviceman guarding clamp gently closes the door but this is where clamp actually has his confidence come back he actually knows how to deal with this yeah gentlemen we need lights <laughs> So, yeah, Billy, Kate, and the Mogwai kids, they find Gizmo tying all these power cables together and he's kind of getting zapped in the process, but he's just, things are sparking down the street and he's, he's turning off lights and, and all the rest of it. And, but yeah, and he's he's kind of doing bad and it's nasty. But at this point, Mohawk 3 just jumps and pounces on him and just gives him this little snuggle cuddle. And Gizmo's kind of like taken back by this, just this tiny little... Ball, ball of fluff just giving him a, a nice lovely lovely little cuddle the others follow suit and all, all pounce onto him and just snuggle in and eh, daddy thing. so gizmo softens and he suddenly like snaps out of his days of evil and his lizard form just kind of like melts like mucus <laughs> 
and in the middle of it is just this kind of damp, slimy ball that's that's obviously gone back to to fluffy gizmo. Yeah. Cool. So I didn't commit to that, obviously. <laughs> so I, I've I've gone. Oh, they can be they can, they can be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> so. And the power of love. The power of love. It's, it turns into Care Bears. So, <laughs> yeah. And he turns around and looks at the, the damage just this this horde have caused. I'm going to go with the law of, like, maybe every copy, they take a little longer to copy the next round because otherwise, yeah, the, the world's done. <laughs> so they're, they're not multiplying quite as quickly the, the further down the line of generations you go. So let's just go with that. <laughs> so, yeah, one one gremlin that was with gizmo rounds the corner and and looks looks at him and is like oh what what's happened here mohawk 3 gets into a karate ready pose and just basically pounces and starts <laughs> hammering away and so yeah the little mogwai family are actually fighting through so yeah clamp purges the house of representatives and gets like all these humvees just burst through the walls with their high beams on and there's like national guard just shining light it's it's pretty short-lived for all of these these monsters because they're sort of only just kind of turned into gremlins and they suddenly just burst into flames because they're all kind of like shining. So yeah, there's no House of Representatives in America anymore. Oops. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of where my writing ran out. So at this point, the the good guys do eventually triumph because the sun comes up before the gremlins can actually get very much further and the one, a few of them do get reverted into Mogwai again and they're huddled up and yeah but that's that's pretty much where it ends and Clamp is just suddenly like left as the the hero of the of the day because he knew what to do with the with the house of representatives he has drained the swamp as it were <laughs> yeah so yeah oh, I really it, liked it yeah um, so, I, mm. I think there's a lot going on, and and I think, especially in the end bit, we might need some help just to follow where all the strings have gone. Yeah, but, that that's my writing there. Yeah. It fell apart. <laughs> but, no, but at the same time, like everything that is there is super fun. Like it's all just, and I, I think this is something that I struggled with mine because of the tone that I took was mm. including the fun. You've definitely built on that fun from Gremlins 2 and then like expanded it even more. It almost feels remind me of something like a Mars attacks or something where, yeah. where there's that where <laughs> that ex, extra level of kind of absurdity and I really, really enjoyed it. I like the Mogwais being like the kind of turning it on its head that you expect these Mogwai to become the bad guys, but they don't. Mm-hmm. I like that you get a gremlin gizmo. I think that's fun. At least for 30 seconds yeah. before it gets turned I, back. I'm, I'm okay with that. People like Gizmo. No one wants him to be dead. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that you, you get the gremlin havoc and craziness at the end kind of built around assumedly mm. the White House and all yeah, of that kind yeah. of stuff. That, that that particular scene could be written a lot better. I wanted to include like the threat of like nuclear war and all these other kind of political things, but it it really started to muddy the waters too much. Yeah. So a, a lot of it got deleted and then rewritten and then it just kind of petered out when yeah. I came and sat down because I couldn't finish it. <laughs> no, but I think all that stuff like... And so much with Gremlins, at least when I was writing mine, is like coming up with scenarios and fun scenarios. The scenario of all these Gremlins running around the White House is really fun. So I think it wouldn't be hard to come up with some fun skits and things to kind of yeah. include in that sequence. That's and- that's one thing I noted with with the Gremlins movies as well. There's there's this kind of tendency I find, especially in like animated movies, where you get to the fight scene and yes. the and you get the feeling that the animators are sent off into teams and they get to pitch a fun little vignette of an, an an idea so a little skit 
I reckon the same process happens for gremlins as well. Yes. Because like the best example I can think of is in Beauty and the Beast. You get the villagers, they burst into the chateau and the, there's no one there. And then suddenly the furniture starts attacking. And it's just these little moments of all the furniture having their, their, their yeah. place to shine when they attack a villager or something. And it, and it it's just this bedlam scene. And you suspect that I think the original script said, the villagers come, there's a subsequence, and then, like you say, yeah. everyone else comes on board and adds their own little creative sparks and their yes. own little bits and pieces. Yeah, and, and this is, I think, where it becomes apparent more than than most other kind of disciplines how collaborative film is. Yes. I'm, sh- I'm certain that there are so many fantastic films that are only fantastic because the director was had this idea on set or the actor just improvised something or the the set decorator just thought oh this could this could just add a little bit of texture in yeah. the background or something like that the prop master could have just had something in their pocket that they thought oh just have this in your hand and fiddle around with it and suddenly it's an iconic part of the yeah. the scene there's just so much extra stuff that comes in from the outside people working in these things because as a writer i i think I think it would be honestly impossible to come up with with some of the, the stuff. Mm. My my favorite little bit of like on set improvisation actually, which I couldn't find in the original script for Jurassic Park actually, is it was there's a moment where Sam Neill's character Grant. There's this moment where Grant's sitting in the helicopter and he's, he's with the seatbelt with the seatbelt and yeah. it's and it's two female yes. seatbelts. Life finds a way. He ties it. It ties in so well to the theme of the film, and it's just—it's not in the script, and it's just happened in a moment. Yeah, yeah. it's—it's it's just a fantastic little bit of storytelling that just feeds into it. So, and you can imagine that yeah. with Gremlins, it's puppet, the puppeteers, it's yeah. the like we've got this room. What's some fun things we can do in here? And yeah, let's let's start throwing furniture. Like, there, there's a lot of moments where I know I just gloss past it because it's yeah. like, yeah, those moments would have to be coloured in by the contributors. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And, and a write, maybe a, more of a writer's room, that collaborative, bouncing mm. things off each other, yeah. big whiteboard with all of the things on it. Yeah, and yeah. I think this is where I feel kind of bad about leaving my ending as it's written because it really kind of just needs a little bit of denouement or whatever, yeah. French word, where it the calm after the the storm where everyone just has their moment of, ah, let's just enjoy the fact that we won that. Yeah. Like, whew, that was close. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, and it's the same when I was writing it. Like, I think writing a Gremlins movie is quite different to writing the movies that we've done previously because so much of it is skits and mm. so much of it is that. And like, I've tried, I tried to include some of that, but like you say, I think so much of that is would be built, like in mine, it would be built by the actors. Mm-hmm. And in yours especially, I think it's going to be built by the people that are on set that day and have the puppeteers. Yep. Like, I think we can brainstorm stuff. Like, I can imagine Gremlins pushing over the Washington Monument or, <laughs> or dressed as Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, or like, yeah. No, there's all or, these cool things. Or, like, can... climbing in the Lincoln Memorial statue and just rigging it into a giant robot where yeah, it's, yeah. like, walking around and like, stuff. Like, there's all this... Uh, it wouldn't. It's not hard to come up with fun ideas. I think it would actually be hard to restrain yourself in some ways. But yeah, I think you, what you've done is put together the story, and and I think very similarly to me, we've put together the story with these ones. Mm. We we all can recognise, and I think this is they both have comedy elements, mm. and comedy is some comedy is scripted, mm. but there is. Improvisation, especially when you're working with talented people and, yeah. and you want yeah. to include that. And and one of the things I do realise is I guess I am touching a very almost taboo subject. Like I don't 
condone like wiping out the House of Representatives <laughs> in any kind of context. Like all these people are public servants and they are duly elected and should be in that room. It, it's not. I'm not trying to make any political statements in in the sense of like, oh, this is all crap and it should go. I'm poking fun at things that really deserve to be laughed at because to take them seriously is 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 scary sometimes yeah and i think it's just it's a fun sequence and people will read what they want to read like any movie yeah they're going to read what they want to read in it yeah and it i think as writers and creators mm. we want to give people meat to chew on and discussions mm. to be had and there and there should actually i do think as well there should be someone maybe that does read through this and does identify certain issues of things that could be taken the wrong way like for example how is how is Forster infected with gremlin here and that is an unfortunate thought that had not actually crossed my mind i think it's um, fun. i like, think it's it's it is a bit yeah. of a problem that the house of representatives is entirely gremlinified by the end i yeah yeah it's a movie though and it's a fun movie about creepy monsters like mm. um doing yeah. creepy things yeah. <laughs> and, and i think it's okay to lean into it and i think that's actually something that yours did really really well like that weird like like he makes out with a gremlin in the second one. It's not new territory, really. Um, it's, <laughs> but this is this this is what these movies are like: yeah. crazy, silly, over the top fun. And maybe I think that's what's missing from mine a little bit. And I love that you just lent into it. And I love <laughs> um, whether you meant to or not that you included things like where you start to ask questions about what these people's relationship actually is, and like mm. and what they're doing behind closed doors. And it's just. <laughs> It, it's interesting to think about these things and like if we just wrote boring safe movies it wouldn't mm. it, no one would be having fun i'm yeah. having fun so. yeah <laughs> and i mean and and that's kind of the, the thing as well like as i say like clamp is not a one-to-one trump in this in this scenario i don't don't get me wrong i'm pretty certain like as as happy as the ending is i'm pretty certain he's going to be a rubbish president yeah. <laughs> and he was replacing a pretty rubbish one in the context of like obviously things were going really weird in yeah within the the confines of government because of the gremlin infection yes yeah so there there is there is a few elements there to to say oh look i've 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 played both sides for laughs but yeah there's there's work to be done there that is important yeah <laughs> so no, i think overall like if it was me and I'm greenlining one of these. I think I'm probably greenlining yours. But I think Joe Dante, the director of the first two, I suspect would be very drawn to what you have done. Whereas mine is... Oh, give me a call, Joe. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cheap, though. So. <laughs> mine is very much the millennial kind of edgy reboot of Gremlins. And that's its own thing. I think, I, that I think actually that's, would... a, that's a good way to look at it. I, I reckon yours could be greenlit in, the, in a rewrite where it disconnects from the original one. It's it's one of those ones where you can take the the properties and and go. This is a this is an alternative take on on that version. So it's a remake, not not necessarily yeah. a sequel in its in its own. You just don't want me way. to kill Billy at the start <laughs> or everyone. Well, it's a. This is the thing. I I I'm trying to think of an, a scenario where that movie gets made, and yeah. that and I think if you made it contiguous with the the franchise as it stands, I don't think they'd. I'd, I'd like to see it. It would yeah. be very interesting, but I'm pretty sure you'd be doing the whole Terminator Dark Fate thing and oh, people definitely. would just be putting oh, it oh. in a cupboard and saying, no, nah, that doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping it's more like the more recent Halloweens where they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah. That's the, where it is, it's still a modern take, but it holds... I still want Gizmo. I still want all of those kinds yeah, of aspects. Yeah, and, that, and, and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, I think there is there are legs for it 
and I do like yours. I think yours is far more unique and it would be fun to watch. But yeah, it's it's probably not within the Gremlins I, canon I, I or agree. the scope yeah. of what they would <laughs> yeah. make with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely could see a world where yours or something similar to yours was the way they went. And we see elements of that in Gremlins 2 already. Mm. Like, whereas, yeah, mine is definitely, and, and like, Deliberately, a very different take on the on the franchise and a very different direction for mm. the franchise. And personally, myself as a Gremlins fan, not necessarily the way I'd want to see it taken <laughs> either. Although I'm quite happy with what I did, I I prefer the fun, silly kind of kind of Gremlins. When we so at the end of this, you'll be able to like you always can go to our website and vote on which one you think is better. I'm going to be going and giving Nick's a tick this week. It might be the first time I've ticked. I, I'm going to own. abstain from voting. I think I've said enough <laughs> about voting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think that's us for our. Unless there's anything else you'd like to say on these ones, but no, I think I think that, like I said, this one more than any other story that I've I've had to write has just been plagued by so much writer's block. I'm I'm kind of relieved. <laughs> but I I think it's good. Like mm. and and to be honest. I had similar vibes with mine where not so much writer's block, just a real lack of time. My work life has been very busy. We've just had a lot going on. Mm. I haven't had the time that I usually would like to dedicate to something like this. That makes it sound like I spent days writing this. That's not true. But <laughs> but certainly this one was more rushed. And I was pleasantly surprised with what I came up with. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I, I yeah. Mean, yeah and, and yeah, like I say, I, I do enjoy yours. I, I don't want to rag on, yeah. on the I'm enjoyment factor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a fun like enough romp, but I'm, I, yeah. I'm not necessarily a fan of mine. As much as I like what I wrote, so it's yeah. it's it's it's, it's we probably cool. our own worst critics. Like yeah. I say, I, I'm kind of feeling a bit cringy about the fact that I didn't quite finish it. But yeah. yeah, no, I think I had a lot of fun, and I had a lot of fun telling mine, and I had a lot of fun listening to yours. Yeah, and and um, same. Yeah, same. I'm really keen to see where the votes go on this one because. Yeah, I think there there's going to be appeal to both camps, very different kinds of fans. So mm. we'll we'll see where it goes. I've I've got I've got a suspicion I know which way it will go. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we're probably just going to get cancelled yeah. outright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actually, yours is a bit more controversial than mine. Mm. So yeah, um, well, I and it, and like I say, I do feel like I will be poking a bit of a bear there as yeah, well. Like, is mine work? I don't know. I've, I've got a very diverse cast. That might piss people off. We'll see. <laughs> You've got a woman in, as the lead. I yeah. think that's probably Steve. <laughs> well, I guess that's that's us for tonight. So Actually, uh, if, you, as... if you look back at the run sheet, you'll see that we have community catch-up next. You've become something unstoppable. I hereby pronounce you a community. One of us! 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 Cooper Cabo! One of us! Okay, that's really creepy. Yeah, but we, we're still, like, after last week with the whole, like, you stole Hamish and Andy's mail, I. I yeah, we, I, we don't have fans yet, mate. I don't. We may not have, at the point of recording, have published any episodes yet, but I actually do have some more questions for us. I've been down to the podcast mail office again, and... Again, I'm I'm quite surprised at how much we've got. It's 100% not Hamish and Andy's mail this time, so and it's definitely ours though. That that's an important distinction. Yeah, it's as far as I can tell. So, let's get into some of these Uh-oh. these questions. First one, really topical for what we're talking about today. What's your thoughts on the ethics of cloning? All right, I've just sprung this on Nikki. Hasn't had yeah, any time okay, to think about. Okay, cool. It. Thanks. I think it depends because there's. It, 
there's a lot of problems that come up with like, okay, do you clone a blank human and then transfer your brain over to them to allow you to live forever? Is there is you do you have to like kill a, a soul of someone to, to override it into your own? Why would you clone something? Because again, clones can have problems of like diseases and things because you can't necessarily create a perfect clone. You can only halfway it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. My, my better uh, better eth- ethicists than me can <laughs> surely come up with something than that. I, when I saw it in there, I thought it was an interesting one given what we were talking about and then even more maybe topical with your script as well. But my thoughts, mm. I guess, as far as cloning humans, I think, like, fuck that. We've got enough no. humans. We don't need any more. No, in no. terms of cloning extinct animals, though, I'm going to go totally the other direction and say 100% yes, do it. If we, if we could do it, that would be so awesome. I want to see I think it would be good to maybe clone the animals that we actively screwing up mm. or actively screwing over. Obviously, Tassie tigers, that was mm. that was human-led extinction. Again, we, we, my, we my live understand- in Tasmania, listeners, just in case. Yeah, and my understanding uh, is that we could, like, there is the capacity to potentially clone a Tasmanian tiger I know it's something that's been talked about on on and off and that the some of like that genetic material and stuff exists so yeah it it maybe is possible and I'm all for it <laughs> I think it would be so awesome is, is it is there potential risks to our ecology if they get loose oh I'm sure but I mean it would probably not <laughs> mess up the the local chicken farmers but yeah. I can't imagine it might it, it might take down some of those feral cats too so it might it might be <laughs> we might fix the environment with it but uh, as far as yeah I'd love to see animals come back I'd love to see mm-hmm. dodos I'd love to see t-rexes and yes maybe it's a bad idea but Man, it would be fun. <laughs> I, I mean, think. there's there's this whole like movie franchise about saying why AI is bad and why cloning is bad, and you'd you'd have to to, to go down the Ian Malcolm things. Any Murphy's Law isn't anything that can go wrong will go wrong. It is anything that can happen does happen, and the movies show very clearly what can happen, and so it's almost certain that it would happen. Yeah, so. I think ignore all the risks and just do it just clone everything <laughs> that's my my thoughts but our next question it'd be fun to say oh yeah I, I like this kid let's have a twin yeah i'd, I'd, I'd love to see thylacine park or <laughs> i think it could be a lot of fun i mean yeah and it would, it would probably be good from the point of view of like promoting some genetic diversity among threatened species as well yeah because obviously you've 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 obviously got koalas that almost 100 percent have chlamydia yeah so if you have some genetic diversity to help them shore up their numbers because they're they're in a very precarious spot after all the really bad bushfires of um 2020 i think it was wasn't it so yeah i'm gonna go on a total tangent Mm -hmm. you were just talking about koalas with chlamydia and right now in tasmania in in specifically in launceston where me and nick live there's quite a hilarious news story so we have in launceston in our big park it's called city park it's sort of our the central park of launceston the big main park that's really in city park sums up what it is yeah yes <laughs> yeah carry on. it's that touristy park we've got quite a lot of we're lucky to have a lot of lovely parks but city park's a big one and one of the key things that we have is we actually have a sister city in japan and they donated to us these japanese macaque monkeys and they've done quite well there are they're in quite large numbers there must be 20 or 30 of these monkeys that live that live in this enclosure and they seem to live like a pretty happy life they seem to enjoy where they live pretty well, but they they all have herpes. 
They they, oh. they all have a strain of herpes that can actually, my understanding, be quite dangerous to humans. So there's not any opportunity for the monkeys and the humans really to, except for, I guess, the people that are working directly with the monkeys to interact with humans. There's not really any risk to humans because they're in this enclosure. We recently had someone break into their enclosure. There's a r- small river in their enclosure where people throw change and someone broke into the enclosure to steal the change from the monkeys. The monkeys aren't in there at nighttime, but certainly they are. And, we're not, and dear listeners, we're not going to give you the idea that this was worth it at any oh, stretch. No, There's got no, to be a no. maximum amount of like eighty-five cents. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think these guys are making big money doing it. And, and anyway, they've climbed in. They've been caught in security carriages. So we know that. Well, we know really that it was a woman that did it. She climbed down into the monkey enclosure. Like I said, the monkeys weren't there at the time, but still high covered in monkey <laughs> juices and monkey all the things. And-, um, and certainly they swim in the river and, and things like that too. Like, so I drink from it. So they've got this change and now there's this manhunt on, or woman hunt, in this case on in Launceston for the lady that may be riddled with monkey herpes so at this point and, it's, and also is the proud owner of 85 cents yes so <laughs> in possibly one and two cent pieces <laughs> at, at this point it's unresolved the monkeys are fine but this person may but launceston is in danger yeah this person may not be fine so if, if you happen to be in launceston and people are paying you with wet change maybe just think think a little bit about whether or not you take it i actually have a friend who works at the council and he mentioned that actually they do collect the money out of the monkey enclosure, but it's disposed of as hazardous waste. They don't keep it. So it's it's actually like, it is, a I think, a bit of a funny story, but it is actually like an actual legitimate health risk to our town. And also <laughs> legitimately a bit sad. Yeah. Why? Why would you think that would be worth it? Did yeah. you see like a really nice shiny $2 coin or something? Yeah. Apparently it's the second time it's happened as well. So, Oh, um, good. Yeah. Previous one was a person in a scuba suit. So, yes. A different, assumingly a different person. Um, yeah. So a bit of off topic. But really worth your while. Just something that's been in our media lately that I thought was too good not to share. And actually, the next question goes with that. So what media have you guys been enjoying at the moment? So I've been enjoying stories of monkey herpes, but uh, what have you been enjoying, Nick? Oh, okay. I think the most recent thing I binged was The the Boys on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. So I don't know. Have you have you seen that show? Uh, yes, I've, I've seen all of it. We'll probably it is the not get too spoilery, but thing. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't really disclose how messed up it is in words, but like that first sequence of the first episode of season three was just like, okay, this is a new level of, ah. Yeah, it's pretty it pretty depraved and black, and but also really good fun. If you haven't, oh, yeah. If yeah. You haven't Carl seen Urban it, is great. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen it and you like that, it, like it is, it is a very mature show. Don't show it to your kids. But if you like that dark superhero type stuff, which if you're listening to this, it's a good chance you probably do, then yeah definitely check it out and i find it funny that it's also being basically paid for by a guy who could very well likely be the real lex luther yeah <laughs> you know, make make the superheroes look bad yes yes that's it if you're if you're hiring writers for your shows mr bezos let us know we're, <laughs> yeah. we're uh, happy to sell out yeah we're always happy to sell out i've been watching so as we've alluded to with with our intro and maybe Nick's slightly more robotic voice than last last one. I am recording from isolation and that I have had COVID. So I've had a bit of time on my hands and I went initially to watch Sandman on Netflix, a show that I've been really, really excited for. I watched the first episode and absolutely loved it, adored it. But 
I've been so hazy that I haven't felt able to enjoy that show. So I haven't watched any more of it. So Sandman is on my back burner. So actually what I've really been watching a lot of while I've been stuck at home is the animated series Steven Universe. I don't know if you've heard of Steven Universe. Yeah, we've we've actually burned through Steven Universe in the last week or so oh, because nice. uh, the kids <laughs> kids got really into it and they just watched it from beginning to end. Yeah. Like there's the movie in there. There's like Steven Universe oh, Future. Yeah, so don't is, talk about the movie yeah. or Future because I haven't got there yet. And, and I'll talk no, about it, it's, why. It's, it went through very quickly. It is a very charming show. Yeah, it's, and each episode is only like 12 minutes so you can binge it like quite quickly. A fantasy... I guess fantasy sci-fi type feel about some aliens, superheroes that live with a young boy who's discovering powers of his own. And yeah, really beautiful. A lot of subtext if if you want that, but also for kid, kids are going to enjoy it, I think too. It's just a really... It's very much from that Adventure Time school definitely. Of, of animation as well. Like lots of funny random stuff, but like... Holy cow, it's got some like it's got some deep poignant. things too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And and very just very pleasant and enjoyable to watch. But I've I've come across a bit of a problem because Steven Universe in at least where I'm watching it is on a streaming service, I think that's unique to Australia, named Stan. And Stan has seasons one to four of Steven Universe. They have the Steven Universe movie. And they have Steven Universe Future, which is the sequel series to Steven Universe. But they do not have Steven Universe Season 5, which becomes... Yeah, you need, you need the, binge for that for some weird become reason. Become 4 or 5. So I think I'm going to have to sign up to another service just to watch Season 5 because I'm absolutely loving the show. The only other thing I've really been... So two other things I've really been doing. I've been playing a lot of Multiverses, which is the new Smash Brothers type free-to-play game on i play on playstation but i think it's on most things the big draw for that is it's warner brothers characters so you've got your dc yeah. superheroes you've got steven universe it's what preempted me to get back like into the shaggy show. and batman and yeah shaggy velma iron giant yeah. it's adventure time characters it's it's i'm really enjoying it. it's really good fun i've had a lot of time on my hands again being at home <laughs> my wife was a bit more unwell than me and actually had to isolate before i did so but after my son went to bed i was like just kind of left with not much to do so i, I played a lot more multiverses than i usually would probably have a chance to play really mm. enjoyed that and i've also started i haven't finished it yet so and i'm certainly won't be spoiling anything but the comic the last ronin which is a ninja turtles comic set in the future, it's the original creators of the Ninja Turtles, so Eastman and Laird coming back to work on it. And it's, if I could describe it in a short way, it's the Dark Knight Returns for the Ninja Turtles. One Ninja Turtle is still alive, and we don't know which one he is because they all look the same. And he's going on a quest to avenge his his dead brothers. It's it's very cool. I haven't finished it yet, but highly recommend what I've read so far. I, I need to get into Ninja Turtles because that's one of the blind spots I have that I didn't really watch it as a kid. So. And the comics are, are the comics yeah. are really really good. I've got yeah. most of the the latest IDW run of Turtles. So not it's not the original mm. ones, but it's the reboot, which is well over a hundred issues now. Like it's it's become quite a big mm. series for them. So certainly, if you ever want to read them, Nick, mm. who to come to? <laughs> yeah, well, I do. Well, I must I must say I I really enjoyed because the other thing I was reading was the Before Watchmen series ah, yes. that you yes. you lent me, and I mean I've I think. It, there's only uh, four stories, which I've, I've actually only read three of them because I've just been lazy. But the, the Dr. Manhattan one I found very interesting because obviously that's very much all happening. Like his entire existence is all happening all at once and trying to integrate that with what 
Alan Moore had already written into into a new narrative was just really interesting to read. So a good lesson in how to expand on an idea without ruining it, I think. <laughs> Definitely. So our recommendations for listeners at home are The Boys, Steven Universe, mm. The Last Ronin, Ninja Turtles, and Before Watchmen. <laughs> that, Specifically that's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, Because cool. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> I would recommend... Which one did I like? I think I, I re- like the Ozymandias one. I yeah, Ozymandias is good too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's Yeah. I, I still have to read Crimson Corsair, which I think was one of the double bill ones with Dr. Manhattan, but I haven't uh, actually gotten around to it because that's, the, that that's that the pirate either. story happening in the background. Yeah, I don't think I've read that um, one either. Uh, so I've got one aside more from that, oh, Sorry. Got, I got one. Oh, I was just going to say, aside from that, the only other thing I've been reading is... <laughs> this is really good because it's the seven... Ancient Wonders series by Matthew Riley and its countdown. So it's seven ancient wonders, six sacred stones, five greatest warriors, four secret kingdoms, I think, forgotten kingdoms, something yeah. like that. So yeah, I'm halfway through the, the four kingdoms one at I, the moment. I, so don't yeah, think I, I may have read the first one of those. I've read Ice Station and, and some of his other books for sure. I really like, is it, is it, I don't know if you read this one. I think it was one of his early ones, Contest where it's like all the aliens yes. fighting in the library. Yeah. That, that it's actually interesting because this one, this uh, this fourth, well, yeah, fourth book, both in number and in continuity, is is very similar to Contest in the way, actually, oh. because of the way it pitches the characters into a new situation. So, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to work my way through them again because he, I recently got the last book in the series, which is the, the number one, which is, I think, the One Impossible Labyrinth, and I haven't brought myself to read it yet because I wanted to make sure I refresh myself on the yeah. on the other on the other six. So it's a it's a bit of a, it's a lot of work to get through, but yeah, yeah I'm they're, they're it. solid books too from memory. I haven't yeah. read one of his books in a while, but I remember apart from maybe contests, they're all pretty chunky. <laughs> yeah, yeah so but they run, they go really fast as well. Like he he really writes like an action movie. Yeah, he did. He like his yeah. stories actually probably mirror the style of of my story a little bit <laughs> in it's like a lot yeah. of soldiers and a lot of action and it moves it, the the pace is really fast yeah so matthew riley really great australian author if you don't know him and you like action stuff definitely check him out and he recently had a new he actually directed a movie recently called interceptor i think it's on netflix oh wow i so didn't know that gotta yeah. gotta watch that at some point yeah definitely maybe if it's good enough we can do interceptor 2 in the future so I've, got, I've, enough. I've got one more question for us and and then we'll probably sign off for the night this one starts hey ross and carrie uh yep. what's your thoughts on the u.s military admitting knowledge of ufos okay yeah take it away carrie what how <laughs> what do you think well i think i've done something similar to last week yeah i'm, I'm looking yeah, at think? i'm looking at some of the envelopes these are these are addressed to ross and carrie this, this is for the podcast oh no ross and carrie <laughs> okay, so next time you do this, you actually look at the envelopes that you're picking up. Yeah, most of them were... I just... I picked out the bag. They said it was for us, all right? Do you have any thoughts on the US... So, Nick, do you have any thoughts on the US military admitting knowledge of UFOs? Well, they, they admit knowledge of knowing that there's things that are flying around that they don't know what they are, so that could be... Yeah, it's fun to think that it might, it might be aliens, but it also could be a, a paper bag wrapped around a, a seagull going over their radar weird. Yes. So. I, I, I'm going to say 100% confirmed aliens exist. That's my answer to that one. <laughs> and we'll move on because I could talk about that for a long time. Yeah, and, and this isn't our mail and we have to obviously tidy it up. And yeah, you I'll, have to now I'll t- sanitize I'll, it because I'll send, of COVID. I'll send, yeah, true. I'll send this on to Ross and Carrie in a week or so when it's all clear. <laughs> if you haven't listened to Ross and Carrie, great podcast where they try out different religions, paranormal stuff, all, all kinds of stuff. They're really rad. 
check them out. Sorry we took your mail, guys. So I think with that, that's pretty much us for, for the day, right? Oh, actually, one more thing I quickly wanted to shout out. I was recently on the pod Off My Shelf with my good friend Tracy. I've been on the podcast, I don't know, two or three times now, a, a few times. This time we were talking Masters of the Universe and Mars Attacks. So again, if you're into movies, and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. She has a, a podcast. I'm into movies. Yeah, you should listen to this podcast. She reviews, <laughs> what makes her podcast a little different is she only reviews DVDs that she owns that are on her shelf, hence the name Off My Shelf. So yeah, it was really good. The, her podcast is quite different to ours. It's like a th- we, I think we had like a three-hour deep dive on these two movies and we went into like a lot of detail. Obviously, we'd go into a lot of detail on our sequels. We only talk about the movies fairly briefly here. So if you want to see how deep I can go talking about something like Masters of the Universe or Mars Attacks, once again, try out Off My Shelf. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, all those places that you find podcasts. Probably where you found this one. Probably, <laughs> yes. So if you want yeah. to find us on Instagram or Facebook, we're at TMYL2 and you can also find us over on our website. Please be in touch and engage in the polls about our movies we'd really love to hear what you have to say so until next time to be be continued continued. find us on facebook and instagram at tmyl2 find our polls and website at tmyl2.wordpress.com our opening title is by brett harris getting stronger super me was written by theron booth and was mixed by paul slater this episode was edited by nick spone
Top 8.